welcome everybody. It's Watch Me Pod. Uh, been a minute. Thank you for staying with us. It is, if you're just joining us today, or if you've been with us, it's the podcast about game changers and punk emo and hardcore. Uh, pod where we try to dive into maybe less than sufficiently explored things and uh, learn, learn about them, teach you about them. Um, we're here today to talk about an elusive but influential uh, moment in hardcore, uh, namely Troy Core. We'll explain a little more about that, what, what that means uh, in a bit here, but we have Eli Ennis with us. Uh, Eli, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Thank you so much. I'm great. I'm psyched to be here. Apparently my, my cat is psyched too. So if you hear him screaming in the background, please oh, forgive me. <laughs> that's good. It's a, that's just a, like our, you know, another half guest. That's still, yeah, yeah. Uh, the more the merrier on this. I, as always, am uh, your host, Jim. I'm Hugo. Uh, yeah. So Eli, uh, just to, you know, give, give some accolades here is uh, editor at Revolver Magazine, host of Endless Scroll podcast. Uh, which we'll definitely link in the episode notes, uh, has bylines everywhere from Rolling Stone to Billboard, Entertainment Weekly, Vice, MTV News, Stereogum, The Alternative, and many more, uh, hailing from Pittsburgh, uh, and enjoyer of Troy Corps, staunchly, uh, approached us to do this episode, and uh, it was a chance for all of us to dive in, and uh, I learned a lot. I think that Hugo... You can probably oh totally learn a totally. lot as well. Super fun uh, exercise, and I really think a way to you know illuminate a moment in hardcore that is sneaky influential on a lot of stuff that's happened across history and a lot of pretty significant stuff that's happening today. So we'll get into all that, but before we get into that meat and potatoes of the episode, we want to do what we always do and talk about a little bit of current events. It's been a while since we've circled the wagons for one of these. Um, awful lot of history has happened. Um, Eli, we'll start off with you since you're the guest of honor. Um, what have you been listening to? Have you been going to any good gigs? Um, what's up? Um, yeah, I mean, been to a handful of shows. Not all of them are bands that are in any way Troy Corps adjacent. But uh, <laughs> some some stuff I've been listening to lately that's been really great. Uh, favorite hardcore record of october is probably the punitive damage album that came out <clears throat> i think that shit is like so good like as as a record like a, a hardcore punk record that blends a lot of different styles very vintage in a lot of ways but still feels very fresh and i, I think that's a style that can just be done really sort of in a boring way in a redundant way at this point but that record just dodges all those pitfalls and is just super catchy and heavy and fast and angry as shit. Um, have, have you guys listened to that record? I love it. It's one oh, of my yeah, favorite totally. pieces of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's totally, like in terms of hardcore punk stuff, like maybe my favorite hardcore punk since Restraining Order, if I have to. Oh, if, yeah. If I have to like go that, that high, but I was really, really impressed the minute I had the promo. I think it's another one that like has the Taylor Young hands on it to connect it to today's episode. Like it, That's true. it kind of feels of a piece in terms of just how blisteringly heavy 
with the regional justice center in terms of Taylor Young stuff. Um, but yeah, really impressed. And even with like, I think the, there's just like little pieces of stuff that I was really impressed. Like the all, the song all in Spanish, that's like a little more brooding to kind of break yeah. it up. Cause I think where sometimes the hardcore punk like LPs can fail is it's all like at one speed and it's just like the same tempo, the same beats for every song. And sometimes bands have trouble making a transition from like EP to LP. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's also like really catchy stuff on here, like more like classic like Necro style mm-hmm. and like even some flashes of like I don't know, like adolescence in terms of how hooky some of this shit is. Like it's really, really impressive. Um yeah, that shit rules. Uh just a couple other things I've been really digging is the uh the candy apple seven inch that came out at the end of September. I really love that band. They were one of my probably my favorite like hardcore punk record of last year was their full length. And uh, I think that they're still they, they move forward in an interesting way on these four new songs. Some of them are a little sludgier, a little longer, but still like really, really hooky. The production is a little more beefed up. Um, so in terms of, yeah, like bands doing that vintage style today, like Punitive Damage, Candy Apple, probably my two favorites, and they recently dropped a really, really good project. So I'm, I'm happy in that regard. Hell yeah. Any uh, any gigs or anything? Anything notable that's been jumping out for you um, on the live scene? Am I allowed to like reveal a little bit of a disappointment? Yeah, go for it. Um, so I saw Gate Creeper, um, who I'd never seen. They played a show recently. There's a really awesome venue right outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, it's in a little town called New Kensington it's called Preserving Underground. Oh, yeah. It's also, you guys know about it. It's also a hardcore record store. It's really awesome. Um, and they had gatekeeper play with a local beatdown band called contentment and there was a another death metal band that opened called riparian that are more technical um so it was a really cool bill it was three slightly different but complementary bands it was really great to have like a really moshy break in between these death metal acts where people just went insane pittsburgh likes beatdown um but i was really excited for i really wanted to see gatekeeper because like i've I like that band. I root for that band, but I've never clicked with them on recording the way that I feel like I should based on the way people talk about them. And I felt like I was kind of live in a similar situation where like they were really big sounding and really foreboding, but I just don't think that the songs are as interesting as they sort of are propped up to be. And um, watching them for a whole set, it kind of felt like the energy after the first two bands kind of was like a little out of source because people you can't really mosh to it but it wasn't like the riffs are like that technical to where you can get lost in them it's kind of a little bit just like sort of like you know obituary light style stuff and i don't i think the band are really really good at what they do in a lot of ways but just like not blown away by them i don't know if either of you guys have seen them or if you like them but we saw them together knocked loose to two nights at metro now. yeah yeah um i can't i think it was with what was it one step i can't remember the whole bill this is one I step remember. closer magnitude inclination harm's Oof. way uh it was like a big big motherfucker that's fucking great um, yeah 
It was but, like the first. It was like the first show back post pandemic. It was like the beginning of September mm-hmm. 2021. So it was a yeah, lot. Yeah, like I, I think I'm not all the way there with you, Eli. But I do feel that, and I think they were like just playing like next to one step closer or like a harm's way. It was kind of it's kind of hard for me to connect and I with them, but I enjoy them on record. I like. I like the last record mostly just because it was just fast. Yeah. Um, And like, I think sometimes at least them doing the whole no blast beat rule, at least before was always like, I feel like I should like them, but it feels like it's partially just because they're the hyped death metal band. That's like acceptable for hardcore people to like. Um, But yeah, yeah, they're, they're solid, but um. But live, it it didn't it didn't hit me as much as I thought it would eat to. I think I'm gonna say something quick here that we can take or leave. But I think that the the sort of death metal hardcore uh, crossover stuff that is stuff that is like legitimately death metal, but maybe played by you know in a way that's a little more palatable for hardcore people or by hardcore people or a combination of that. It's become quickly more state of the art in the last couple of years, and I think that there are bands who are doing it in a way that is much more compelling. I think that that might have something to do with, um, you know, a band that is, you know, kind of an earlier version of this movement, like Gate Creeper, maybe not hitting as hard. At least for me, that's definitely where it sits, right? Because like, I was super impressed by Gate Creeper. um, But then I also like, you know, saw more bands like 200 Stab Wounds and Gates to Hell uh, and Undeath. uh, And I was just like, oh, there's there's a deeper bench to this. And I think that like, once I saw those bands and listened to them more, it kind of put things into context for me. I don't know. Just some thoughts. Totally. Um, yeah, I definitely feel you on that. 200 Stab Wounds are really, really good live. I yeah, have are. a ton of hype. Like, I'm not trying to hate on Gate Creeper. I think they're, they do what they do like very well, but it was just like, like you said, like, I think they were kind of like, Hey, here's the best band of this movement, the biggest band of this movement that's kind of really hot right now. All right, let me. St- I'm really excited to get one over by this band that I've always kind of liked, but never fully. And then it was kind of like, eh, didn't quite get me there. So, but overall, it was a really fun show. So, oh yeah, yeah, loved it. As long as you had fun, that's all that matters. Yeah, definitely had fun. Oh yeah, uh, Hugo. Anything on your end? Uh yeah, I'll do. Uh, I'll do a couple quick ones. I no real gigs are coming to mind. I'll just quickly shout out this is this is totally not related at all but i this is this would be more in place on endless scroll but <laughs> a friend had an extra ticket to alex g who i've never okay. been into and i was pretty impressed live um had a lot of had a lot of fun my friends bought like uh opera seats at Thalia hall so that was really cool got really oh, yeah. close um i i guess i wasn't I I didn't quite process how much people love that band in terms of like the fervor around it felt like I was seeing the biggest band of all time or something but that was really cool other than that nothing nothing lately I did hit restraining order a couple weeks ago and that was great I I love that band they played with Spaced who I who on numerality scene and I'm really into them in terms of new stuff, um, 
Envision just put out a promo. Who's on promo within records? I really Ooh. like. Yeah, I really like that and still that they put out. I still think the way you described it, Coleman, as like a middle point between magnitude and one step closer is yeah. still pretty spot on. Um, lyrically, it's pretty straight. It's like pretty straight edge. Even the cover seems to be like kind of Krishna consciousness kind of stuff, which which I understand if that's not your bag, but it just it's not even my bag, but just the iconography. Like I know exactly what they're going for. And it's kind of hit it's hitting me right in in the middle of the chest. Um and I and like I've been returning to their EP a lot. Like there's been stuff that I can admit's objectively better in terms of hardcore releases, but this is just really satisfying like metallic hardcore. Um a single that just dropped today. That band Riot Stairs with relief technique. Yeah, days records. It's it's like another one that's doing the Orange Nine, uh, Snapcase refused thing. I don't I I don't like it as much as X Side, but it's still pretty pretty solid. Uh, yeah. So I've been digging that, and then I wanted to give a quick shout out to I was I listened to that podcast 185 miles south just did the best hardcore of the 2000s, um, uh, like top 100 records. And I've been digging, that episode just came out and I've just been digging into some of the records. Um, so far I've listened to Wisdom and Chains and Striking Distance, which have been blind spots. So like, if you're looking for somehow more podcasts while listening to this, I'd recommend that. Uh, a lot of uh, pretty interesting perspective because all the, the dudes that host that or were on it are more like in their 40s, so they're actually around. So if you're looking for something that feels a little more comprehensive uh, overview of hardcore in the 2000s, I'd recommend to check it out. Um, okay. Yeah, that's that's it for me. Good shit. Um, I've been a busy bitch uh, the last month. Uh, decent number of gigs. I won't go into detail on them, but I saw. Uh, prize horse taking meds and web wing at beat kitchen in Chicago uh, a little while back. Really impressive. I, I hadn't seen prize horse before. They are uh, really, really fun. Kind of like hyperview era title fight worship, but done in a really compelling way. And they have like really, really, really amazing stage presence. Um, obviously taking meds tried and true. First time seeing web wing um, band that is, best in class right now in terms of like doing really capable just rock music um super fun actually seeing them and it was pretty well well attended show for being on a wednesday night um later that week i saw gates to hell who i mentioned a bit ago um death metal hardcore crossover in like a true true sense like literally sounds like a one-to-one mix of death metal and hardcore from louisville kentucky uh get hip to them because i think that they're about to like get big they've been grinding really hard and they're really fucking good live um and they played with uh they played with snake out which is like a sort of rock and hardcore band from detroit i believe they're from detroit they might be from no they're from grand rapids and then Sawchuck, another rock and hardcore band from detroit um sort of uh 
Southeast Michigan legends. They've been around for a really long time and are sort of like on a comeback run right now. Um, and then Mutilatred, local Toledo, uh, death metal luminaries, um, played straight up the most lit set I'd ever seen them play. It's sort of always a roll of the dice, whether or not people are going to be moshing really hard because they do have really good mosh parts, but sometimes the uh, crowd there is a little more just death metal pilled to sort of stand in place and headbang. And this was like a super, um, super electric moshy set. So we always love to see the hometown heroes win in Toledo, which is fantastic. Uh, and another incredible, like sort of Toledo homecoming show was Citizen played a, our uh, local hundred cap, hundred, I guess, no, sorry. It's technically a 200 cap, but feels more like a hundred cap um, for the first time in a decade playing a room that small. And it was crazy and super cathartic. And there were people jumping off of the balcony <laughs> and they played um, with restraining order and military gun and Prince Daddy and the hyena supporting them. It's my first time seeing restraining order my fourth time seeing military gun. Uh, if you haven't seen restraining order live, you have to like, they are the arguably the best in class hardcore punk band right now. Um, super fun, really nice people. Haven't been to a gig after that in a couple of weeks, but I have been listening to a lot of really good stuff. Um, yeah, very, very much in like the hardcore punk bag right now. Um, this gum promo i cannot put down um it is so fucking good i think that is such like an interesting take on hardcore punk i don't know if you guys have checked it out or like been been running it but i've definitely just been really taken by it um in that similar vein who decides um from rochester new york just put out a uh new ep called is anybody hearing this um very much like if you like restraining order or punitive damage, like this record is for you. Uh, who decides is members of taking meds and such gold and highway sniper and, and just full of transparency friends of the pod. So um, other than that, that Fleshwater record that dropped last week, whew, uh, have you guys checked that out yet? Um, I gave it, I gave it a, I gave it a listen. Um, I, I liked it. I might not be as like high on it as, as other people, but it's, it's solid. Yeah. Um, it's fucking, I'm obsessed with it because it is like right in my bag. Um, really, really, really well done. Like post hardcore in a way that I haven't heard be done in a while or maybe ever. Um, it's members of Vane. In fact, I think it's three quarters Vane and one new member. And you um, can so tell that, you can tell it's members of Vane. Yeah. It has the Vane sound all over it, but it is um, essentially it has like this. I would say it has the same level of influence um, of like Deftonesy kind of like alt alt new metal as like the fucking um, as Vane has like new metal influence. Like I would say that there are points where it actually gets kind of alt metally, which I think is fun. Um, 
anything else I'm looking, those are sort of the big ones. Um, mm, yeah, um, Nokia, Jive Bomb. Um, thanks to you, Hugo, uh, for for hipping me to those. Yeah, things. Jive Bomb is like is really good. Um, like super solid, super solid EP. Kind of like exactly what I want from a hardcore punk EP in like 2022. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, and yet that Riot Stairs single that came out today is really cool. Um, randomly found out about that too. I'm glad you mentioned it. Without further ado, folks, I think it's time to get into into some Troy Core here. Um, Eli, I'm going to let you take <laughs> it away since you are the guest of honor. Okay, thanks, guys. Um, I, I'm going to start out by saying that I'm not a self-professed expert of Troy Core. This is a very localized scene that for a very long time was pretty much, from my understanding, quite regional. There's a lot of regional identity involved with it. Um, not from Troy. I'm actually from Rochester, New York. I don't know if you guys knew that. But uh, I went to school in Albany for college. And while I was there, I got into hardcore. And then Troy was right next door. It's about 15 minutes outside of Albany. Um, so, you know, I was writing and covering the local scene at that point in, in my amateur years. And I, I got fascinated with all this hardcore history that was happening around. And I didn't have the hardcore, you know, a, a smidge of the, what's now a crumb of the hardcore knowledge I feel I have. So I didn't really go as in depth in my research during my time there as I wish I could have looking back. Cause there was a lot of these guys were still around. They were still playing. They were hanging out at shows. Um, a lot of the venues that these bands used to play with, or at least a couple of them still exist or the venues that kind of replaced those ones where everyone kind of migrated to were still around. Uh, so anyways, I got, I became familiar with Troy Core, which is a, like I said, a very regional style of metallic hardcore that started in Troy, New York in early to mid nineties. Um, probably like I'd say 93 through 98. And from what I can tell, like it kind of didn't really exist too much longer after that in terms of like being a very active scene. Uh, it was a lot of bands that were forming by people who were, you know, young guys starting hardcore bands, as far as I could tell, it's exclusively men. <laughs> um, and Troy was a tough, tough city. That was a, a working class town and, uh, you know, was sort of from my understanding, you know, in, maybe akin to when New York city was like more so in the eighties, like it was, it had not been gentrified the way that New York had. So a lot of the crazy shit that all the New York hardcore guys used to get into in the 80s, I think there was a similar vibe going on in Troy, even up through the early 90s. Um, and it still, to an extent, existed a little bit when I was going to school there, although currently I think Troy is very gentrified. It's like a foodie town now that, oh, no. uh, yeah, it's it's very like trendy for New York people to transplant up there when they get priced out in new york city it's like a kingston type deal they call it the they call that part of the world the new hamptons for a reason baby yeah 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 um but anyway yeah Tro so troy core is interesting because it's very 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 heavy metallic hardcore that isn't death metal 
And it's obviously it's very, it's main influences are really New York city hardcore of the late eighties and really, really the nineties. It's kind of influenced about around about by what's going on around it. Um, it's definitely like a New York style hardcore. That's distinctly post Madball. Um, it has the, the sort of the way Madball sort of changed the, the landscape in terms of making everything very hip hop influenced hip hop grooves and that sort of swinging mid tempo pace sort of set the pacing for Troy core as well as bands like Marauder probably being maybe the most influential band to my ears on Troy core and a lot of the beatdown bands that were like the first wave of beatdown bands um coming out of new york thinking you can count cold as life in there as well kind of what they were going through at the time their transition so it's just very bleak angry cold gnarly heavy music that um is not really technical like metal it's not it's not like the crossover thrash of the late 80s where people were soloing and and playing really fast but if you dig through some of this material of which there were several a cluster of bands that really popped off simultaneously it was a real solid scene in the 90s that had you know and people knew troy as this place that had this really powerful scene i think touring bands knew about troy if you dig through that there's a lot of really really good material in here some of which I've heard some people mention over the years, but a lot of which is completely overlooked. I think when you look back on nineties, hardcore history and considering how obsessed hardcore has been with the nineties for the last 10 years, it's, it strikes me as odd in some ways that Troy hasn't gotten as much explicit love as I think it deserves. And, um, but I think also more than ever, you see there the influence of this music coming to fruition. Now Uh, it took a while, but I think, We'll get into it, I guess. But right now, Troy Core is it, it's important to know this style, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that like I'll just add to that that I think it's important from an origin standpoint, it's important to like use Troy in the 90s as an example, as sort of a case study of the impact that like the efforts of a few concerted individuals can have right? Like they, it was a small, but really cohesive and really hungry scene. And the, you know, a really limited scope of like solidarity and institutional power um, made, made a moment happen that ended up like having a really far reaching impact on the way the genre sounded and felt for a really long time that I think is like, again, like you mentioned, it's not explicitly sold um, at least not by very many people, but I do think we, we hear the influences of this moment all over a lot of stuff in the heavier hardcore vein that's happened um, since then. And um, I just think it's like, it's also a really good example of like, you know, early, early viral marketing. Cause the whole reason that like Troy core as a term popped up was some motherfuckers started showing up at shows with that shit stenciled on their vests and it just kind of like turned it into a full on, um, you know, full on early calling card and early meme, not to use that, that word in this context, because it's obnoxious. But um, I just think it's really cool case study and like how, how the shit that we see 
happening now in terms of these little, you know, micro, super lively, punchy movements has been happening this entire time in some capacity. So um, what we always do is talk about our personal relationships with the thing that we're talking about. Um, and Eli, obviously, since um, you're the you're the one who brought this to our desks, I want to I want to start off with with you. Obviously, you've 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 danced around it a little bit, but if there's any, if there's anything that you want to add in terms of like your personal Troy Core lore, um, <laughs> Troy Core lore. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm the biggest Troy Core fan. Like, it's not like a a scene that I've listened to in t- intensely since I stumbled upon it seven or eight years ago. Uh, yeah. The biggest Troy Core fan doesn't doesn't have social media or the internet. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Or they're like 45. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, I just think it's, I just think it's cool because I guess my relationship with it was I got into hardcore through, I was into metalcore and deathcore first and all the other shit, the warp tour shit when I was a teenager. And then when I got to Albany, you know, I started going to shows there and I think this is similar to other scenes, but I think particular to Albany, the shows were, had a, even those shows had a, a very hardcore feel to it and a very like heavy hardcore feel. People moshed very hard to deathcore and metalcore bands the way that <laughs> you wouldn't see at your average warp tour stop. And a lot of it was because there's this sort of history of really hard moshing that would go on these Troycore shows where I've talked to people who say there'd be ambulances outside of every show. Like people would be really beating the hell out of each other and I kind of got accustomed to that environment when I started going to these other shows, when I was first moved to Albany, I was like, this is, I like this, this is cool. Like I like being on the edge of danger like that. Um, so then as I moved into hardcore, it just was felt like such a natural fit to me because I started hearing about the history of the hardcore that was local. And it was like, Hey, there's this Troy stuff. And um, I remember for a school project, I did a little like five minute documentary for a class where I, interviewed some people about Troy Corps. <laughs> um, some guys who were booking shows around the time that I was there. And uh, so I learned about it and I ended up seeing Stigmata play uh, like a reunion, not a reunion show, but they had been around for a minute, but they just put out their 2015 record and I saw them play with Cruel Hand. At, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it was at the Fuse Box, which is a, we used to be QE2, which if you see any of the videos on youtube of old troy core bands they were all playing at qe2 it's a legendary venue in albany um and i'll be honest i was more interested in seeing cruel hand at the time <laughs> i was like <laughs> the sigmata guys are kind of old men to me at the time um but i was like this is cool and, and like i said that i got into hardcore through heavy stuff and then got into heavy hardcore right off the bat and i think being around this troy stuff and sort of the history of it and this culture of very heavy just metallic inflected hardcore was built into me. So it was a very natural parlay into digging into stigmata and dying breed and listening to some section eight. And then, you know, one King down is different. We'll get into that, but they were adjacent to that sort of after that in some ways, the local scene, I, I have an affection for, and I think it's definitely shaped the taste and hardcore that I've had ever since where I tend towards stuff that's pretty, brutal on the metal side of hardcore for sure amazing um hugo 
so this is another one of these episodes where this is all a first time listen. Troy Corps was something I was familiar with, mostly as we'll talk about because of the just the the influence that the young brothers have had on hardcore and this has always been like a loose association with them and it was always a thing that i'd want to check out or spend some time with but but have never but never really did so for me this was all this was all new and just and it makes sense just given that i've that i am a emo the hardcore transplant so it's all been very much me learning on the fly so this is much more in the weeds for for hardcore heads so it's so it makes sense that i wouldn't even have have even checked this out like right away right on yeah i mean i've been listening to hardcore for 21 years but troy core has always been a fucking blind spot for me um it's just it, it's so it's so deeply niche um and i you know admittedly i've always been like you know not a not a super depth guy or at least like stuff like tr the the more metallic menacing side of hardcore rather is just something that i've never like had my depth in right like i have my depth in like 90s boston youth crew revival shit right like stuff like that like fucking you know floor punch and battery and shit like that that's where my depth is as opposed to stuff like this so this was a really fun um really fun dive for me to do and i feel like very very edified by it and i think that a lot of these bands are gonna end up being regular listeners for me um do we want to get into uh talking about some some of these troy crow bands fellas oh yeah oh yeah Cool. Let's just uh, let's just run it. Um, Eli, I'll start off with you. Take us, take us there. I think the play. I mean, I think the band you have to start with is Stigmata. I yeah. think they're the most well known. Um, they're still active today in some form, uh, and they were inactive for a while. But they they I think there was some love around them coming back into form in the in the early 2010s. I, I know they played at least one of the This Is Hardcore fests when that was really really big um and like i said they were putting out a new record for the first time in a while when i was in albany uh anyways this band is is exceptional i think they're the best of the of these bands and i don't think that's a slight to any other ones like i just think this is like a like this band is genuinely like a really really amazing metallic hardcore band um especially their old stuff like uh, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't know the nitty gritty history of them, but I know they came about in the early nineties and, uh, were from guys who were, you know, very familiar with, with the hardcore scene in Albany and, and Troy and, you know, started doing what the guys in New York city were doing, which was pivoting away from punk and moving into just really muscular, heavy metallic shit. And that first record hymns for an unknown God, uh, is kind of been yeah at least that's that was like the the first one i was handed when i started getting into this stuff and is the one i think i returned to the most um interestingly that was one detail about it that i didn't even know until earlier this year was it's produced by harley flanagan of chromags no fucking way <laughs> yeah who <laughs> in his in his biography 
has a very colorful chapter about producing that EP or that LP. I don't know what it is. Some people say EP. I think it's whatever. It's a 12 inch. Um, but he was, I mean, that was in the middle of Harley's like, you know, pretty low years he was using a lot of drugs and uh, Chromags weren't really active, but he, he went up state and produced this band for this young band stigmata who, who really respected him. And I don't really think his thumbprint was had much of an impact on the record. Cause I don't know if, Harley really knew what he was doing at the time, but uh, there's a crazy story about how they all went to go play this like hardcore festival in Buffalo that Stigmata had booked, not knowing allegedly that it was like a Nazi <laughs> hardcore fest, and they oh, showed sure. up and had to play for this crazy room of Nazis and like fight their way out. So crazy shit like that that you really mostly read about in like as like the early punk hardcore ogs going through like these guys in troy were doing that stuff in the 90s too like this wasn't like a sanitized suburban punk scene by any means it was pretty rough around the edges and i think you hear that coming through in their music and just how scabrous and raw and just like skin on cold concrete it feels to to listen to it yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I'll talk more about that, um, especially with this band. But over to you first, Hugo. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm in agreement that this is the best of every everything I heard. Um, Jim, when we were texting, you were like, "This is what 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 did you describe it as?" Again? I said, "It's as scary as everybody says Madball is." <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's great yeah yeah like, that's great and i think that it it genuinely it genuinely tracks and i think a lot of this troy core stuff is like like genuinely like menacing like i like i wouldn't want to be in in these rooms as someone who's mosh as mosh averse like um yeah uh yeah i don't yeah this is all first listen so i'm gonna be a little a little short but i think this one still stands stands out and even even playing the collection on spotify like i thought playing the two records back to back being an hour 15 it would be like over long but it 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 works um and i think it still it still holds up like I think sometimes when you go back to some '90s metallic hardcore, for me, some of it, some of it feels you can feel its age. And with this one, I I didn't really like. I could, I could definitely see someone who's on Days Records like listen, like listening to this and lifting stuff for sure. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think that that's probably something that we will see if uh, if it doesn't exist already. Um, if it does exist already, we'll start becoming aware of something like that soon. Um, yeah, not not a lot to say that hasn't already been said. Uh, it it like you said, Eli, it's decidedly post Madball, um, yeah. and and by that I mean specifically like it is. It sounds like Madball, but actually scary. Um, that is not to say set it off's a terrifying record, but it sounds scarier, right? Because um, it's way more metallic. There's way more like double kick. It's stompier. It almost kind of feels like um, it has both pieces of Madball and is sort of like 
has pieces of what would wind up in like earlier VOD, not like radio rock VOD, but like imprint era. Um, the mosh is very, very heavy. And I can like, as soon as you, as soon as those parts hit, you're like, yeah, people definitely like got landed in the hospital to this very part. Um, and I just think it like does a really good job of encapsulating. Like if there is one kind of time capsule band for this moment, it's probably stigmatic because I do think it's the most capably done, the most well-produced. And like you said, Hugo, I think that it's um, as close as anything gets in this bucket of bands to like really being timeless. Like, I think that you could very easily make something that sounded like this, but maybe a little more polished in the current day and have it really hit. So onward i guess there's just one two more things i wanted to mention just because yeah. i think there'll be through lines uh is some of the sonic uh through lines or sort of references i picked out in this this listen that i had never picked up on before it's my interpretation but i think there's way more of a like a southern groove to some of stigmata yeah. songs that i you don't really get that from the other new york fans of the time um at least not in the same way i think that there's like I mean, this is pretty much concurrent with Pantera, so I don't know how much he was really, they were really drawing from Pantera, but like, it just came out the same year as Far Beyond Driven. You know, I feel like there's a, a kinship in sort of those types of riffs. Uh, I think like Wolverine Blues era Entombed, like there is some like death and roll swagger to this. And I think I also hear some integrity in, like, in terms of like the sort of, tone of the music more so than the the riff style totally i can hear that one and you know what i think it's totally you hearing some southern uh some southern marijuana riffs in this uh, in this band is is completely valid and probably illustrative to you know a band uh of the current day like mutually assured destruction yes, exactly that is not only loudly troy core worshipy but also very like has real serious southern stoner energy i think that's yeah. all there that's cool. all there and then that the vocals too are like you hear a little bit of singing sometimes and we'll get into that more with some of the other bands on this list but like yeah. noting They're, yeah almost kind of sounds like mark arm from mud honey on like <laughs> on mother royal uh, every once yeah. in a while which is cool yeah uh a little bit of chromags in there too it's like totally. some of the vocal inflections so yeah yeah anyways love it uh do you want to move on to dying breed yeah let's move on to dying breed so this is like another if stigmata are the biggest dying breed are probably the second biggest uh, there's like four bands, I guess, on this list that are the, the, the Troy Core bands. You rattle off a few. These are the ones you're going to mention first. So I always heard Dying Breed talked about, um, which is interesting because they didn't put out that much music, but yeah. they left a big imprint, I guess, on a lot of people were very popular in the scene, um, very well, well regarded. Um, and this one was a little more like their demo, I think it was very good for a 90s uh, demo, but a little more new, felt a little more grounded in New York than Stigma. It didn't really have as much Southern influence. I heard uh, more of like a biohazard type thing on here. There's, there's some like almost rap rap style sections. 
some parts, the shots are a lot shorter and like, you know, have most of them are under like two minutes, which I think is kind of interesting because a lot of these other bands are writing longer, three and a half minute, more metal length songs. Yeah, real long in the tooth genre overall. <laughs> yeah, which can be draining <laughs> after a while. If you listen to all this shit at once, especially it's like, all right, get on with it after a certain extent. But uh, yeah, I think that there's like the vocals on this one in particular remind me of what Chromax are doing on like Alpha Omega, where yeah. a lot of people fall off on the Chromax vocals at that point. But sort of that crazy howling singing yeah. makes its way out to here. And uh-huh. I think you get the rap stuff that you, I mean, it's some of it sounds like what like a band like Irate would do a little later on in the decade. A lot of it sounds like Crutch. And I think a lot of it sounds like fucking Gridiron and Pain of Truth. Um, oh yeah. Big time. Big <laughs> time. The days bands. Yeah. Yeah. Hugo. Uh, yeah um i yeah i i enjoyed this i mean i enjoyed all of this stuff but i think i i enjoyed the dying breed stuff um a lot i like this was the first one like that i was where the twitching tongues kind of went off obviously it's more so you can hear in in section eight but just like some of the parts um it's um just how heavy it is um yeah uh what what else um even though it's not grabbing from i feel like i can hear like even if it's incidental like some dm stuff some death metal stuff a little bit in in the riffing i don't know if i'm if i'm hearing things um but but yeah it's but um especially for twitching tongue stuff throwaway i was was the one that came to mind um yeah i i definitely enjoyed i definitely enjoyed this one yeah i what i was getting from it for one thing there's there's a specific flavor of chugging that that only happens in this era of of metallic hardcore that i think is super charming um there 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 is sort of like first two earth crisis uh EPs style chugging in a lot of spots. Yeah. I think is 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 a wonderful museum piece of the time because it's just something that like that's one of those things. A lot of stuff is able to get like modernized and recycled in the current day. Chugging like that is a little more of a like a very of its time thing that I think is is charming for that reason. Um, this the vocals here. I think you start to really get an idea of what Brody King is drawn from in God's Hate. Mm. Like, I think that you get that even more in kind of some of these late, uh, other bands that we're going to be talking about. But for me, this was like this. And again, a couple of the other bands were really like an aha moment where I was like, oh, <laughs> I've heard Brody talk about these bands. Um, and I can hear very explicitly like what he is drawing on. I think God's Hate comes from a Dying Breed song too. Yeah, that that from, that would make a lot of sense because this, from this an interview pretty, I read. That, 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 awesome. that really specific thing that uh yeah. Brody, <laughs> that Brody does like is is right here. Um yeah and it's all over the incidentally all over the gridiron shit too because he does all those guest spots on those fucking songs. So um cool cool yeah and it's there's something really like I don't know something really oddly fun about Dying Breed. I couldn't put my finger on it. It was just like it was like a little 
a little more fun and a little less bleak maybe from where I was sitting than some of this other stuff, but yeah, who knows? Probably just because these guys are drinking a lot of beer. Uh, <laughs> probably what it has, it has did something to do with it. So um, I'm ready to move on whenever you guys are. Yeah. Um, so I guess another band that's big from this era is Section 8. Yeah. It's going to be hard to find because there's another hardcore band from the 90s called Section 8 uh, that I wasn't aware of. They're more of like a new age records type thing, I think. But uh, this oh. is another Troy band who they're not technically from Troy. That was always a distinction I heard. They're from Clifton Park, which is another town outside Albany. Which there's actually this venue there called Upstate Concert Hall that's like sort of the standard thousand cap for the region. Um, saw some some bands play there. So, anyways, they but they definitely took part in the Troy scene, have the Troy sound in a lot of ways, uh, but also do other things as well. So this was a band that when I was in college in the area, I didn't like this band. Something about them, I my ears weren't attuned to what they were doing quite yet. Um, because there's more of like a sludge metal influence. I think the most sludge metal influence of all the bands is in this one. And you know, the, the songs are pretty slow and the vocals, it, this is where typo negative comes in. I mean, I guess carnivore too, but I hear typo specifically. Um, and life of agony. Yeah, mixed with like acid bath style yeah. guitar work is very cool uh, mix of sounds that I right now upon this listen I'm like oh, this is probably one of my favorite bands we listen to today but I guess I just didn't have any reference point for that type of thing when I was 19 or whatever and didn't really take to it but um, of all the bands you know we're talking about most a lot of them didn't re- release records they only released EPs or they did put an album out they're not always recorded very well but this band's 97 record nine ways to say i love you is like genuinely really really good um as a record i think it plays really well and there was a lot of ambition in this band based on the bands i mentioned like i think they were doing something that was still very heavy and grim but had a lot of weird eerie gothic melody in it that was as much indebted to new york bands like left agony and typo as it was to southern bands like crowbar and Asabeth. so i thought this is a fascinating band to listen to and i also hear a ton of twitching tones and brody king style vocals in here too so like bring it to the present day like absolutely you go yeah def- but i was yeah he likes out a lot of what i was gonna br- bring up sorry um <laughs> no that's fine i feel like it's e- like it's i mean this one stands out and it's easy to make type of negative in life of agony stuff and the twitching tongue stuff just just because this is the most clear like one with the queen the queen singing and um i maybe it's just because i've had a little bit of a of um sorry fuck i lost my train of thought um i've had a little bit of a twitching tongues renaissance so this one really really connect connected for me um and even the long even the long songs, which can feel like an eternity for most fans, they were able to pull off. Um, it's super like dark and brooding. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed this one, this one a bunch. And I think similar to you, Eli, if I was like, if I was 18 when I first heard this, I would have <laughs> been like, turn this shit off immediately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's just not it's just not immediate like you 
if you listen to stigmata and then this one of them like initiates your primal brain kind of instinct sure you see when i was 18 <laughs> if i had heard this i would have fucking been all on this shit like fucking stink on shit because i um when i was 18 i was all about it was during the moment where uh like high on fire and torch were having their big moment yeah okay yeah, and so yeah. i was very i was very stoner metal pilled at that point and so i like if i had found like a a hardcore band that was doing shit like if i had discovered section eight in 2008 they would have like instantly become my favorite band um so worth noting um you guys have said everything that i wanted to say uh it grooves real hard um the chin rock vocals because we're just going to go ahead and call them that fucking chin rock vocals massively influential but i i think influential as in they were like a sort of vector between Pete Steele and Colin Young, et cetera, right? Like time-honored tradition of putting chin rock and vocals into heavy music. It's good. Onward. Oh, yeah. So another big band, I think this is the last of like the really big ones. Again, this is just my <laughs> sort of tourist interpretation of this. I'm, I'm, don't beat me up, local Troy Corps heads. But I, I think Wartime Manor is like a band that a lot of people talk about. Popular name. Um. I don't think I, I want to say they coined the term Troy Corps, but I could be wrong. I could be mixing that up with someone else, but definitely one of the more popular bands at the time. And they really only put out a demo and a split. Uh, as far as I could tell, it was just like, no, they really did not put out very much music. Um, but their demo Scorched Earth Policy came out in 95. So right in the middle of when the scene was taking off. And interestingly, they're a little you know they're similar in a lot of ways but also they have their own flair i think they're faster they have more of a new york 80s style to them uh a little less chuggy maybe a little more sheer terror in the vocal approach like just kind of barky um and you know i mean this was the band that i thought were pretty cool when i was getting into them but you know they're called wartime manor they got some iconography that's maybe a little sketchy yeah <laughs> and maybe that's that that's them you know making a comment on it i don't know but there's some people in the scene that i've you know have heard stories that uh you know it wasn't always super super progressive as we as as you know might want in today's times so i don't know if there's any sketchiness going out this band but that was something that was kind of turned me off to them but this listen through i was like no, this is cool and uh i was into it you got yeah this i think this was maybe not the first time i was feeling a little fatigued but this was the first one where i was like there's nothing wrong with it but it it didn't super it didn't super connect um but i gave it like another pass today because i think they have this is like one of the few that's on spotify they have it they have like their 20 like they did a CD in like 2015 and that collections on Spotify and I like the second listen I can connect it's it's cool um but yeah it didn't it didn't like super super grab me but that doesn't mean it's it's bad by any means I just think some of the other stuff is it's just like a little more in, interesting and I could connect 
to it like a little more cerebrally than than wartime manning yeah i the first note that i took was heavy in a way i maybe haven't heard before um i do think that like there's something really unique about this band i I can't really put my finger on it i'm I'm getting a lot of (sighs) my my head went there's like a little bit of integrity um i also am hearing sort of this influence a little bit in in something like god's hate i think um the one thing that i appreciate about this which you guys have, have glanced at is like um they have a better or a, a more complete relationship with like fast versus slow than a lot of these other bands. There are a lot more, um, you know, parts that are a little more up-tempo um, and, you know, danceable in other ways than just windmilling the fuck out of each other. So <laughs> worth noting. Yeah. All in the game. Um, anything else? No, I think you brought it up, but it definitely has the Cookie Monster vocals <laughs> going on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't say that explicitly, but yeah, extremely Cookie Monster, um, which, you know, the uh, adjacency to metal can always bring that in. So onward. Yeah. Um, another band was Execution Style, uh, who not one of the main groups from from this cluster but i think really good um uh, hadn't spent too much time with them before this lesson but i think they just have a one one demo from 96 but it just had it again like all these bands were doing slightly different variations on each other i didn't feel like anyone was like a direct ripoff of another band and they were all kind of pulling from different places which is kind of cool so like and this this band i thought was more technical than i remember them being and like one of the more competent bands in terms of playing heavy stuff that was had a lot of really good drum fills in there there was some like yeah like fast palm muted guitar parts um more capable i think and then there was like yeah just some like weird reverb effect on the vocals sometimes too that i thought were pretty cool so yeah i thought this band was not the most memorable i don't think but definitely like very very good and their 20 minute demo is worth worth a listen uh another that's like a distinct piece of like the post mad ball that we the thread that we keep pulling on is like interesting vocal production right like the vocals being produced in such a fucked up way on set it off is one of the things that makes that record impactful and like hearing other bands do take similar kind of liberties with vocals is always a little a fun little treat for me yeah hugo uh yeah uh did it didn't grab me as much on first listen revisited it and i think the vocals are really what what sells sells this band for me like uh not exactly in this in the same lane as wartime manner but like similar or it's just like it feels like it's coming all from the throat which which is always which is always an interesting choice um but yeah it's like a super capable capable demo even before we started recording i watched some live footage and it's like they look like the most like normal looking people making the most angry music which is which is normal i guess but i always i always like actually seeing it because in your head in my head when i'm listening to this stuff i'm i 
I'm building up this person in my head that's just not real. Um, so yeah, that's that's really fun. I'd, I'd recommend looking up some live footage for anybody who's who's just diving into this stuff and listening to, because that's there's a lot of good archiving of that stuff. Yeah, um, I'm excited to do that now because I think it's so funny when there's like any kind of visual disconnect between the way a band sounds and the way they look. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah. I really liked how how stompy the mosh was. Um, super well executed. I and this is this is so nerdy, but the feedback mm. was so cool. And I can't help but think that maybe Taylor um, was drawing on feedback either this explicitly or feedback of this style because if it sounds like the feedback that's on crime and punishment right which is a taylor record um and i just and like i am obsessed with the very specific style of feedback that that happens here and um that might be that might be a through line who knows because mm. you know the young brothers are so troy pilled it just just a little little nerd moment i love, I yeah. love feedback more than most things and i'm a feedback connoisseur so <laughs> Yeah. That's great. Politics of contraband. Yeah. Um, this is probably my least favorite. I just felt like, you know, you read a little bit about this stuff and bands get mentioned, want to throw a bunch of bands into the pot. But uh thought this was a little bit more goofy in some ways. Like I don't know if it was intentional, but I, I wasn't really listening to any of this music for the lyrics, but some of the lyrics to this band caught me and I was like, eh. That's a little, that's a little silly. Um, but you know, I thought they were cool. I mean, this is more in the biohazard lane, I think kind of nineties, New York feel. Um, yeah, cool band, but I guess not, they didn't stack up uh, as much for me. You got, yeah, I guess I, I enjoy, I, I enjoyed it. I think the one thing the one knock I have against them is they're one of the few bands whose whose stuff is uploaded to Bandcamp with the lyrics. So like re I was reading along with some of them yeah. and like that doesn't bode well. Like it's like it's there's a really weird like not juxtaposition, but they contradict each other almost like work hard, die young is is about like working a dead-end job but then they have a song that's basically shitting on people on welfare um yeah. so it's just stuff like like that where i was just like yeah like this doesn't this doesn't age this doesn't age at all but like musically like i was i was definitely like i was definitely digging it a lot even if it's like not particularly like as distinctive as the other stuff, but like lyrically it's it's a little whack for sure. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I mean, there's really I think the uh the scare discourse around welfare must have been really powerful during this time because you hear in a, a lot in hardcore from this era of like just people talking in a pretty what now what now strikes us is like really unwoke ways about stuff like welfare really interesting sort of of the time thing 
Um, I thought weirdly this was kind of some of the most modern sounding stuff from this cohort, but I don't know how, how derogatorily I mean that or not. I haven't really decided. Um, <laughs> like, like, oh, this band sounds modern, derogatory. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, <laughs> Expand on that, sir. Um, no, I just like, because I, I, I think one of the things that makes stuff like from this, from this moment sound so fucking cool is like it sounding really primitive uh and like i think by modern i feel like it i meant it felt so kind of sort of more like on rails i don't know um like the the charm of so much of this troy core stuff is how outside of the lines and unhinged it is like and i i feel like politics of contraband maybe seemed like a little bit more reined into my ears i don't know um interesting this is this is the band of ralph renna who like from where I sit seems like he's one of the primary archivists of this moment and sort of like one of the founding people in it. And he was one of like the big institutional actors who like made Troy Cora a thing. So he's self-professed, like was like being a musician was never his fucking forte. He was always more of like a scenester. So yeah. One came Yeah, he, he was also in Last Call, which yeah. is a band that I didn't put in this playlist just because there's a lot of them um yeah it's a lot but you know another late 90s troy core bands uh cool the, the other band is just this wasn't in a playlist but i listened afterwards this band withstand which is yeah. kind of the last like mm-hmm. troy core troy core band we'll talk about um who are bigger but i wasn't really familiar with them until the, i was doing some reading for this I was like, all right, I'll give it, I'll give it a listen. I was like, holy shit. And they became one of my favorite bands to listen to. Dude, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, Just like, yeah, again, like after listening to all these demos and splits and things like bands that just weren't around that long to craft a sound. I felt like this band came out swinging really hard on the record they have. Um, What's it called? Uh, And Anger Was a Warm Place to Hide from 97. Great art very dated art but i like it a lot um but yeah just really really tight heavy fucking band that was um i saw some people compared to snapcase that i guess yeah. i can hear in some cases i, I, I was really... i was yeah, i don't that, totally hear that yeah. i was hearing it mostly in in the sh- in the in how shouty the vocals were like okay. i think particularly like if you listen to not any of the Snapcase really people really lo- know and love, but like Looking Glass Self, their first record, sounds a little more like this than the rest of the Snapcase catalog. It's slower and dirgier, and Daryl hasn't quite locked into like his crazy fucking countertenor shout that he's so well known for. It sounds a little more like the way the vocals are on this. So mm, that makes sense. Yeah, I think um, a band that has a similar vocal style today is Incendiary. Yeah. Like I, I heard that. Um, but I thought this, yeah, there's the one song in here, Wish You Were Here, that's like six minutes long or something. It's, it's really long, but it had this like syncopated breakdown in the middle. It sounded like a Meshuga breakdown or something. I was like, this yeah. is, yeah, like pretty ahead of his time. Um, and then there was other parts that sounded like Strife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of like all over the place, but I was, I was really into this band and this record upon, uh, this listen. So I had to make sure to sneak them in here. Yeah, Hugo, what did you think about this one? If you got a chance to check it out. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to to finish it just because when when Eli sent it to me, I was in the midst of like 
trying to take in all the stuff. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I dig, I digged what I, what I heard, and I'm definitely gonna, gonna re revisit it. But like, I, I think I only played maybe like the first ten or fifteen minutes, minutes of of the record, but given how highly you praise it, um, both of you, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna spend some more time. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it's, it wound up being, next to Stigmata, probably my favorite of, oh, yeah. the, uh, of these things. I think that it does, it does the post-Madball thing. Like, listen, the reason I'm reaching for 90s, um, for 90s, like, metallic hardcore is kind of two things right it's the the really ignorant chugging that like actively erodes my iq and then like the um the really syncopated groups and so anytime that a band is like doubling down on the syncopated groove thing to like eli as you mentioned to like almost a proto mashuga kind of extent i'm here for it and this this band was like really generous with the amount of time they put into that song as in like the song was fucking long but like it didn't lose my attention i got out the other end of it i was like that didn't feel like fucking six minutes that's crazy um i also the vocal style is amazing because i love shouty vocals and like one of the things that sort of drew me in about troy core in general uh is that none of these vocalists are even remotely fronting like they're actually good at their craft right they're just they're just shouting into the microphone or singing in whatever kind of like you know grunge-esque way they can and just making it work and i feel like these vocals are kind of just the platonic ideal of literally like something that you kind of maybe might hear in the current day with somebody like russ from magnitude right or just like i'm just gonna i'm basically talking real loud into the mic and that's that's fun um and any any band that this is something that Pat Kinlan talks about. Any band uses motherfucker in their lyrics, especially when it's them going, you motherfucker. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Really like this band a lot. I'm really glad that you threw them in 11th hour. Uh, I'm glad I, yeah, awesome. you glad I decided to. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, there was just a few bands I put in this playlist that aren't Troy core, but I think are, are adjacent and worth mentioning. Cause there, there's interesting connections. Um, the first being Winking Down, who are probably the biggest band from the Albany region. Uh, I mean, maybe Drug Church now beats them, yeah. but uh, at least for a while, Winking Down, uh, were the Kings. And they, they came out, they started in like the 90s, actually. They started sort of adjacent to all this Troy Corps stuff, but just sounded a lot, like a lot different. Um, I believe they had a, a different vocalist at the beginning, and it sounds more like a early turnstile you know like it sounds like sort of post bad brains like it's just kind of hanging out in a completely different realm than what the troy stuff was uh and then sort of adopts more of an evr sound because evr puts out their album later in the decade and that sound is kind of becoming more prominent but um they sound, yeah, the most like Earth Crisis of any of the band. I just think it's really fascinating. The Earth Crisis were at their hilt during this whole Troy Corps era, and none of the bands were pulling from them at all, really, in like a way that, other than like, yeah, I'll, 
pretty much any heavy metallic hardcore band from the 90s was in some way pulling from earth crisis but like it's just kind of strikes strikes me as odd that just a couple hours up the state there's this huge band and snapcase too for that matter in buffalo and like no one none of these bands are really channeling them uh but you definitely hear with one king down and one king down took off with their album bloodlust revenge that you mentioned magnitude a couple times anyone who likes magnitude would fuck with this and you know any of the other classic evr stuff that's more in the metal core side but not quite you go yeah i've um for a while i've listened to one king down before but they were always uh a blind spot for me and i think what finally got me to listen to them was isaac hale from inclination saying it was a big inspiration on starting the band and like this is like in terms of like metallic hardcore it might just be because i like earth crisis so much it really hits hits a sweet a sweet spot for me i don't know what it what it is and it's it's like sort of in that that mid-tempo lane that's like that's just so satisfying especially even with the these songs like feel like epics for hardcore like five minute songs that still that still work for me but um but yeah i i really i really really like one king down i think this listen was the one that finally that was when i finally fully gave into them after being like yeah that band's good but this was one where i'm like this is probably going to be in rotation for a while yeah um i feel like in some in some way all of the troy core stuff sort of distills and perfects a lot of the best aspects of 90s hardcore one king down being a Troy Corps adjacent band definitely does that, right? Like this is the the one, if there's any one bands, or if there's any one or two bands that really like you hear a consistent amount of stuff directly lifted from this in like a lot of the modern hardcore, not stuff that like, you know, Twitching Tongues and God, God's Hate and Age of Apocalypse is directly aping this stuff, but like the more kind of garden variety stuff you hear so much of the stuff from One King Down in modern uh, in modern hardcore. It's very clearly stuff that is influential, however tacitly. Um, I think it's really I think it's really special. This is this is probably one of the bands from today that is going to find its way into my regular rotation because I was really impressed by it. And they, they they're a thing that they're a band that I I've. Hugo, like you said, I've always heard them name checked by, you know, people whose opinions I respect. Um, but I'd never gotten my hand forced far enough to actually checking them out in a meaningful way. And I think I will now keep going back to them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really cool band. Um, and then the other there is two other bands I threw on here because they're from the Hudson Valley, which is just about an hour and a half south of Troy and Albany. And they had a similar scene that was also different in some distinct ways that I just think is very fascinating to compare and contrast. Um, this is the big, the big band from this area is All Out War. Yeah. Come from Poughkeepsie. And uh, they were, you know, started 
yeah, pretty much the same time as the Troy course stuff, maybe a little later. I mean, I think they were like maybe 96, 97. Uh, so maybe they were influenced by Troy core. I, I assume in some regard they were, but they're one of my favorite hardcore bands ever. I mean, I've loved this band for a long time and, uh, I think are maybe the heaviest hardcore band I've ever heard, like just, and, and maybe the heaviest I've ever seen just insane. But, uh, I think they do a lot of the similar things that the Troy bands are doing, but they are distinctly pulling from death metal, uh, with yeah. the leads and, I just think it's cool that there's like some of the Troy bands have leads, but not really. They're not like trying to wow you, but all at war are like directly playing like Slayer early death metal leads into their just stomping brutal metal hardcore that also is quite similar to Sigmata in a lot of ways. Um, I was just curious, yeah, what you guys thought of this, but also like how you would compare it to the Troy core stuff. You go. You um, go first. I think you, you hit it on the head to start with that it's like much more death metal inspired, and I think it's no coincidence that they're like. I feel like they're like I listened to their most recent single, and it's it's not like precisely death metal, but it feels closer to death death metal than hardcore at this yeah. point. Um, so I think that's. I think that's an in- interesting point. And I think it's just fun to see the regionality and just like, we're all, they're all kind of maybe starting from a similar place, but how the paths have diverge, especially for like Hudson, Hudson Valley versus, versus something like Troy. Um, and like, yeah, obviously all or is like extremely important band i feel like i could go like you can go bi-weekly and no echo and there will be a band saying we're inspired by all at war yeah <laughs> kind of thing um so yeah but i i think it's it's a it's it's an it's interesting um yeah to just as a as like a compare contrast but kind of thing yeah i mean this is like definitely the most advanced sounding of any of the bands we've listened to today it's like very clearly you know drawing from a lot of the same pulling from a lot of the same wells that the troy core bands were but doing it doing it in a much more sophisticated and capable way and i think including a broader scope of influence it's really amazing how like a band from an hour and a half closer to the city has like an insane like a way more cosmopolitan approach to like the way that they fold influences in. And I think that shows through and just like how, you know, comparatively uh, sophisticated it all sounds. Um, this band is massive um, yeah. in terms of not, I don't really see them getting, this is important, a little more important, like where it becomes instrumental to, split hairs sort of intra-generationally i i was born in 1989 i don't hear people my age talking about this band but i fucking hear hardcore kids that are your guys's age talk mm. all the fucking time about this band everybody <laughs> i know um who's into heavy music who's actively playing it who's like a, a head um who's born in the 90s worships the ground this band walks on 
like to the point where like Brandon from year of the knife, like condemned to suffer is his social handle. Right. Like mm, yeah. that's like everybody I know in Toledo loves this fucking band because everybody I know in Toledo loves beat down and metal core and death metal. And this band is at the perfect triangulation of those three things. And they're fucking, they're the perfect like platonic ideal of the intersection of those types of heavy music. And I think that they're one of the only bands that's ever hit that in the way that they did um, with all of the elements that we've talked about. And I think they're a really special band. They're probably another band that I can see out of any of the bands that we talk about today. I think that I can see this band actually like becoming like an all-time fave of mine if I give them more time. So you've inspired me, Eli. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think this, yeah. Because we we brought them up on our victory episode, right? Mm-hmm. Right, Jim? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think I gave it like a cursory cursory listen that that time but it's one of those that's like each listen is slowly chiseling away and i think i like even if all i listen to if all they gave me is condemned to suffer that's enough because that's like a fucking track yeah if i've ever heard one i mean yeah they just they i think you know they had the advantage in terms of having really good production yeah. on their first releases that the Troy bands didn't have. Um, for those who were crucified, it still sounds like really good today. Like the production on those records is incredible for the time. Um, and they also were on victory from very early on. But like, it's interesting, like to talk about legacy, everyone talks about all at war. And I think justifiably so, I think they've proven themselves, but they were also on victory and remained a consistent band. Yeah. Um, Stigmata had a record on victory in 2000. I don't know the story. I don't know why they didn't continue, why they didn't put another one. Seemed like the band kind of fizzled out after that. But like, it's just like, oh, none of those bands had the signal boost that All at War did. And or where maybe they weren't as together as All at War didn't have their shit together as much. But uh, yeah, for as great as All at War, I think they were cut above pretty much every band here because i think they were cut above basically any metallic hardcore bands but if you like them i really think you can get a lot of stigmata as well and that sort of thing um yeah so yeah so you hear that if you're in the sound of my voice and you're an all-out warhead you better be listening to stigmata too (laughs) yeah because you're gonna have fun it's you're gonna have a great time um we want to talk about dissolve yeah, just quickly. I mean, they were just another band from that area. So I, I had an interesting conversation recently with Jay from Mindforce because he grew up in Poughkeepsie. He went to all those shows in the 90s when All at War were playing. It sounded very similar to what I what I understand about the Troy bands. So we were comparing and contrasting. And uh, Dissolve were apparently a really big local band for him, even though they didn't break out at all, really. Um. And they were just basically a death metal band. <laughs> like they're, they're, it's basically death metal. This, this and this other band, End of One, who kind of reunited recently. I think they put out something on, on Dazed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think it might have been Streets of Hate, but I'm, I might okay. be wrong. There was some band that's like a super group featuring members of All at War and Dissolve. And I think one of the Mind Force guys is on it. Maybe Jay's in the band. I don't know. Whatever. This band is starting to bubble up again. And I, I think like, yeah, it's, it's just another Hudson Valley band. that's a little less like 
well, a little way, way less polished than All at War um, and even more metal, but still has like a New York hardcore heaviness to it and was happening at the same time as all the Troy shit. Um, so if you lean more death metal, this end of one, All at War, definitely worth checking out as well. Hardcore yeah. neighbors. <laughs> you go. Um, yeah, I, I don't have, yeah, I don't really have anything to say about this one. It's definitely, it's definitely like some nineties death metal demo kind of sounding, yeah. sounding stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean that pejoratively, but it's, but, but it makes sense that they were like a local kind of thing. Um, it, but yeah, I, it's definitely sounds like death metal. Um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have much else besides that. It's a really incredible. Yeah, you know, I'm a self-professed total dork about snare production. As in, I like I like snare to sound as fucking shitty and offensive as possible. And the snare on this really uh, lit my fire. It's like an exceptionally shitty sounding snare, and I uh, I'm here for it. It's great. It's like a cranked snare with like a fucking impolite amount of reverb on it. And it's just chef's kiss. So <sighs> kind of takes us to the end of the line, doesn't it? I guess like to, to the to the present day. Yeah. Um yeah, I think you guys have already mentioned that the Young Brothers are anything they're involved with is you hear the most directly influenced because they know their shit. Uh, they they worship the Troy shit. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I think like the day's record stuff is kind of what perked my ears up when I started hearing a lot of that stuff come through the last couple of years. And just people getting more into, you know, like Gridiron, I know they really love some of the PA, like they really love Irate. And, you know, they, they tap Crutch as well. Sort of the almost rap, but not quite rap core uh and they like some rap core as well but you know pants truth and them and some of their days bands that are just like really heavy like almost not hardcore but not quite death metal that's i think the best way to describe troy chorus like it, it really doesn't ever become death metal but a modern band i think is almost more apt to take it there in the present day like to go over that threshold and become death metal. But if you hold off just a little bit, you're pulling a Tory core move. And I think there's more of that around now than there has been in a while to my ears. Yeah. I think that like the single, like the, the single two biggest like current day ambassadors of this moment, obviously like young brothers and then days, right? Like, I think it's really, really cool that Days is um, providing a context, sort of a little like, you know, hype cultural moment for bands to explore this space and to sort of actively encouraging it. Because I do think it's like a really fun and unique thing to, to draw on. And I think with how, you know, with how long-tailed and diverse hardcore is now, it's like, it's fucking awesome that there's... Um, that there's bands out there actively trying to emulate this stuff. I wish there were more of it. I hope that there is more of it in the future. Um, but wow. I think that like, I think that 
twitching tongues and God's hate, like have been so huge on evangelizing people on this. And especially if you like watch or listen to any interviews with any of the people in that band, they're like (laughs) talking about this stuff. And I just think that there's like very little about modern heavier and more metallic hardcore that would look quite the same without like the influence of this, this moment, like, because I think that they had a sneaky influence on a lot of stuff that ended up happening, you know, just a couple years later that wound up being really, really influential. Like, I don't think it's insane to say that like, there's, you hear maybe, and I don't know how accidental it is, but like you, you hear a little bit of this stuff in like hate breed even. Yeah. Right? Oh, definitely. Like, I think hundred demons too. Like that's sort of Massachusetts scene started doing this sort of thing. And like so much of what NYHC gets like credited for more broadly, especially in terms of like, not lip service, but actual sonic influence that gets attributed to NYHC got, got distilled and epitomized in the Troy Corps sound, right? Like oh, yeah. that's so much, so many of the things that are like that people view as aspirational about N- NYHC more broadly from a sound perspective is like got really knocked out of the park by a lot of these Troy Corps bands. Um, and again, like even bands that are a little bit more in the, you know, stoner doom clean singing uh shinrock hardcore zone like age of apocalypse and mutually assured destruction like drawing heavily on this moment um you go um uh you both covered most most of it i also wanted to bring up i i'm like halfway sure this band there's this band called nothing but enemies i'm pretty sure it's named after a stigmata song now that mm. we're yeah. we're t- we're talking that that's they're on streets of hate but that's just an example that i thought of like like right like right now but yeah i've and i think even if you're like it's it's an interesting well to draw from because i think the hardcore band drawing from death metal is kind of like it's kind of tired at this point I, like yeah it's i just i i feel like there's only so much more places you can go so it makes sense eventually to tap to tap something like this that feels that feels new or just or just or just different so i i think even going forward it's like it makes sense that um days bands would would grab from this because it's just like like um like colin young has said before like all all the mosh parts have been written or whatever like it's (laughs) um and it's just trying to tap some new influences to to keep this this thing fresh i think there's really something to be said for the more marginal a, a place is the less invested in the rule book the people who are making art in that place are. Um, and I think that it's, there's a level of, of fuck it uh, and sort of abandon and whimsy that you see happening in this, a lot of this Troy Corps stuff that I think is super aspirational. And I think that like now is, is just as good, good, just as good a time as any for bands to really send it on like just, not giving a fuck about any kind of rule book and just doing what they think is dope. Like that, that is, that is a lot of what I 
saw and heard in this Troy Corset is like people just fucking doing whatever the fuck they wanted sonically. And like, there's such a, there's so much room in hardcore for that right now. And so I, I'm hoping that we start to hear more stuff that sounds this unhinged and unbridled. I would, I would love it. Yeah. Do we have anything else, fellas? Uh, I've said all I needed to say. I think we yeah, we're pretty exhaustive. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this was mad cool. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't think that there's like, I think that if you like, if you like modern heavy hardcore, if you like heavy, you know, metallic hardcore in general, like, especially the 90s stuff, you know, we're so, we're so consummately bought in on 90s nostalgia right now universally in the cultural macro but especially in heavy music like if you haven't if you haven't done the dive into like this cool little little moment in hardcore history like i hadn't prior to this like you go ahead and prior to this like do do yourself a favor and take the you know hour 15 minutes it's gonna take and fucking do it because it's fun (laughs) but you can obviously deepen the rabbit hole if you want but at least start there because like you might really find some stuff that you really enjoy. Like I'm going to listen to withstand and stigmata on a really regular basis now because they're super fun. So yeah. Um, Eli, thank you so much for, uh, for bringing this to our desk and for doing this with us because this was honestly ended up being a really, really fun time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I really like your guys' show. So oh, well. I, uh, I don't get to talk, hardcore really especially not at this level of depth with my wonderful and the scroll co-host so it was, it was very nice for yeah. reprieve to come uh talk about mad ball influenced <laughs> stuff oh yeah well, i always have fun whenever there is hardcore on endless scroll every every once in a while because it's it's always it's always fun to hear a perspective from people who aren't as enmeshed in this stuff as me and Coleman are yeah Yeah. it's 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 fun like and I I just I feel like talking about this stuff from you know from the the broader perspective of somebody who you know talks about a lot of different genres and talks to people from a lot of different walks of the musical life is fun too because you just you have such a fine set of tools to grapple with what what makes this music really jump out so um we're going to be dropping this on the 21st so oh, awesome uh, so we'll be obviously tagging you and you know uh hitting you up about it um hell yeah very but, very psyched so yeah thank you again this is really awesome of course thank you and thanks for everybody for joining us uh we will see you next time <laughs>